right, Carrie, you pray for us. Father God, I thank you for this morning, God. I thank you, God, for your promises. I thank you for your word. I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us always. Thank you for this time together. I thank you for the freedom that we have to worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray as we come together that we would focus and fix our eyes upon you and you alone. We give you all praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, before we get into worship, I want to read this devotional. It says, perhaps the favorite concept of God in our generation is the idea that God is love. After all, that's biblical, isn't it? But a disobedient culture defines love on its own terms and demands that God be nothing more and nothing less than its description of love. And that God simply doesn't exist. No. The idea that we can actually know God is elusive. We live in a confused society that makes up religion as it goes along. Meanwhile, Scripture tells us plainly that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. It is He, in fact, who sustains all there is. For a culture that thinks of Jesus as a nice teacher and a brave martyr, the ideal of His representing God doesn't make too many waves. But the Jesus of the Bible, the one who talked a lot about sin and hell, who spoke harshly to the Jewish elite, who said he didn't come to bring peace on earth, but to establish a dividing line. That Jesus isn't very popular. He bruises egos and insists on being Lord. He not only carries his cross, he gives one to his followers. That Jesus doesn't go over very well. So be it. Those who really want to worship God in spirit and in truth, who really want to adore Him for who He is, must look first at Jesus. The Son said, if we've seen Him, we've seen the Father. Disciples worshipped Him, and He let them. Sinners asked God's forgiveness, and Jesus gave it. The Word really did become flesh, and the Word was God. Worship the radiance of God's glory by worshiping Jesus. And that's what we've come to do this morning. So if you're physically able to stand to worship, let's stand and together let's worship our King. Change. 
righteousness. We need you, Father. More and more, every second and every hour of every day, God, we need you. Your word declares that we are to abide in you. That apart from you, we can do nothing. Father, you've called us to live this new life, this life in Christ, empowered by your Holy Spirit whom you've given us. You've called us to live a life that doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit, but a life that walks in step promises that if we walk habitually in the spirit we will not gratify the desires of our flesh oh God that we would live lives that would honor you Father that our eyes would be focused and fixed on Jesus no matter our circumstances God that we would be rooted in Christ that our roots would continually to grow down deep into Christ and we will draw nourishment that our lives may mature and grow to bear fruit, lasting fruit. For it's all for your kingdom and for your glory and by your power, Lord. So awaken us, O God, to the urgency of the hour. God, that we would not be enslaved to sin, but that, God, we would be quick to repent, that we would hold up a standard of righteousness, and that we would not back down. Father, your word promises that the gates of hell shall not prevail against your church. And we are your church, we are your bride. Open our eyes that we may know truth, Father. And by truth that we would be free. Free to live. Free to move, Father, according to thy will. Free to see the captain set free. As we go forth boldly declaring the word of the Lord. So awaken us today, O God. Search us, test us, try us. See if there's any wicked way within us. Expose it, Lord. We may be drawn to repentance to be restored. And I thank you for this, Father. Jesus' name. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. The kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. And we've been talking about this scripture for many weeks now. The kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk, but it's living by God's power. The power of God. Not of anything of our doing, but all of His doing. Jesus, the Messiah, the resurrected one. And as I've been encouraging us over these past months, that is our hope, you all. Is that Jesus is no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the tomb. He is resurrected. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The place of victory. 
And so I want to ask us as we're going through Scripture this morning, do we understand the fullness of Christ and what He's accomplished for us? And are you experiencing the victory that is found in Christ? Not in your circumstances, but in Christ. Because when you can hold fast and hold true to the truth that is found in Christ, you can stand against the evil days that are upon us and the darkened days that are arriving. We've got to be able to stand, you all. We've got to be able to stand. And not in our own strength. It can't be just a lot of talk. We must understand the power that is within us in Christ to be able to to move upright in a crooked and wicked, perverse generation. Matthew 24 is where we're heading this morning. And it's a chapter we've looked at before. But I want us to be reminded that we are to be watchful and prepared for the Lord's return. As I've been sharing over these past few months, God is really like stirring up within me, you all. If you just look and see the condition of this world, if you just look to see how rapidly it's changing overnight, if you would see the level of persecution and mockery that is coming upon Christians... There's no doubting God's word. He tells us specifically what it's going to be like before his return. And we are to be living, prepared for his return. We're not to be caught off guard. (laughs) No, we are to be living lives as if today, this hour, this moment, our Christ, our Lord, the resurrected Jesus, will return to gather his own. And if we understand that, if we're living that way, then that should provoke us to be bold in our witness. Not rude, but bold. Not timid, but bold. To speak truth, to hold people accountable, to raise up a standard of righteousness, to make Jesus known. It's like we've been saying over these past months, The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And each of us know that. John 10.10 Jesus tells us the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come to give you life. And life in abundance. And I've been challenging us. Who are you in agreement with? with your actions, with your thoughts, with your desires, with everything that is within you, what is your life in agreement with? Or who is your life in agreement with? Are you in agreement with the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy? Are you living out of your flesh? Are you just seeking your own self-gratification? Are you just seeking to get you, me, myself, and I... Are you seeking to to, to tear people down? Are you seeking just to think crazy thoughts? Are you truly seeking Christ? Life in abundance. Remember the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering. 
Like he produces within us that which is opposite of the world. Opposite of those who are in agreement with the enemy to come to steal, kill, and to destroy. We're born again. We are to be of new, a new creation. Because you remember that old man, that old woman, those old desires, those things that flare up within us? We've recognized, if we're Christians, that we've nailed them to his cross. And so when they come a-calling, when they come a-stirring up, we push them back down and remind that old man and that old woman that they're dead. And that's not the way I'm acting. That's not the way I'm talking. That's not the way I'm living. Because I'm no longer in agreement with the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. My father is no longer the father of lies, but he's the father of truth. The father of truth. That's how we're to be living. We're to be living as people of peace, people of truth. People that have a sound mind with order in their lives, even though their circumstances may be chaotic, we should be people who will still be able to stand and stand there for them, knowing that He is for us and not against us. But the battle belongs to Him. He's leading us. And yet we are preparing for His return. I want you to hear Jesus' words in this chapter. Chapter 24, as Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yet these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested persecuted and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But... The one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. These are Jesus' words. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to what he is describing. 
And in it, listen to the hope that is found in Christ. This world, you all, is not our home. And we better awaken to the truth of the deception that is in this hour. And I keep saying it over and over and over. And I'm concerned that we're not getting it. And not just us sitting in this room, but us that are out there. Those who are going to church, going to church, and going to church, and going to church, but not being the church. Not living for Christ. Like, do we recognize the one in whom we say is Lord of our lives is saying here, his disciples then came to him and he, they asked him, what would be the signs? What are we to be looking out for? This was years, generations and generations and generations ago. And who would have thought the day in which we're living in is a day yet closer to his return? It's getting crazier. I mean, back a couple of years ago, you'd be like, oh, okay, you know. But oh no, now you go, oh, good gracious. Look around. Look around. Look at the level of deception that is in the world today. And not just in one nation, but throughout the nations. And then not just in one nation, but throughout the nations, uh, the level that they've never seen before on the earth of persecution of Christians. The mockery of the Christian faith is at an all-time high. Remember, they, when they come after you, they actually think they're doing the right thing because their eyes are blinded. Remember, it's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And Jesus tells us that in the end, sin will run rampant. The love of many is going to grow cold. And if you hear those words and you go, Oh God, where's the hope in that? It's in line right after that. But those who endure to the end will be saved. Are you enduring? Years ago, I, 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 I encouraged us to be a people who persevere. Remember I said, I think the problem with the church today, especially in the western part of the world, is that we give up too easy. We start off strong. We believe, we believe, we believe, we call on Jesus. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. And then overnight... We're back where we were in unbelief. We give up, we give in. As if he's just a trend, as if he's just something to try. But he's not just a trend, he's just not something to try. He is Christ Jesus, the resurrected Son of God. We are in him. If we truly believe, if we're Christians, we are in Christ. That is our new identity. And when we lack identity, we lack enduring. Because you're not going to endure and keep persevering if you do not believe. 
And we must begin to be a people who believe day in and day out. Make a declaration, make a confession every single day on what you believe and who you believe in. And it needs to be regularly done in our lives. First for ourselves before we can share it with others. Because everything in this world, everything about this world, the enemy still lays hold of. And yet, though, he's defeated. He's defeated. He may be still ruling and reigning in this temporal world, but he knows his time is coming. He's defeated. And as the church, he can have no hold on her. So we must stop giving ourselves to him. We must be as innocent as a dove and wise as serpents. We must know our king and we must know our enemy. And we must know who we are now. Born again of a new nature. Born again that can stand in the days of adversity. No matter what's being thrown at us. That we will be able to stand and stand in the assurance of who our Lord is. Of who our Lord is. And so others should be able to look at us and say, there's something odd about you. And it opens the door to share. We must endure. We must persevere. Not in our own strength. Not by doing religious works. Not by being busy and busy and busy and busy and busy and busy doing religious works. Or busy and busy and busy and busy chasing our own tail. We've got to be a people who are living in the soundness of mind in Christ. Because our mind is to be renewed, you all. Don't forget what scripture has told us. How does he transform us? By renewing our minds. And the whole concept of the renewing of the mind is to know who you and whom you who you are now and whom you belong to. It's all about your identity. It's all about when you get up every day and every second of every hour through that day, what's your truth? Who's your truth? Because that will guard your speech, that will guard your thoughts, and then ultimately guard your heart. Because when you are rooted and grounded in who he is and who you are in him, you won't be so loose with your lips and your tongue. You won't be so careless with your thoughts. And you won't be so open to give yourself to everyone and anything that comes and pulls at your heartstrings. No, you'll be able to gauge it and recognize it and go, no, no, no. That only comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. That is not who I am we must learn to abide in Christ. We must get rooted and grounded. I can't, I can't say it enough. Because everything that is out there is getting crazier and crazier. The levels are getting darker and darker. The pool is getting stronger and stronger. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And we must begin to stand up and say, no more. No more. 
We must begin to draw the line in the sand and say no more. I'm not interested in it any longer. I'm not going to be pulled by it any longer. No, I'm going to abide in Christ. I'm going to grow. I'm going to mature. I'm going to seek Him. Because the Word of God says, if you seek Him, you will find Him. If you seek Him with your whole heart, if you diligently come and begin to pursue Him, seek Him, the Bible says, while He may be found. The one who spoke these words, these are the signs of the time. And we're not to get caught up in them. No, we're to be enduring through them. And like I've always said to y'all, as I've shared this multiple times, he lists all this crazy stuff that's going to happen. But remember verse 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. And how is that going to be? By people who endure through these times. Because they don't get caught up in the times. They're not scared. They're not anxious. They're not overwhelmed by what they're seeing. No, they just recognize that what I see is that my king is returning soon and I need to be about my father's business. I need to go forth and declare the gospel of Jesus. To offer hope to mankind to your families, to your friends, to your co-workers. And the closer that we get to His return, the more He's going to be rejected. People are going to love themselves. So you don't have to fight with people. You just share truth. And if they're not open to it, then shake the dust off your feet. And move on. Move on. Trust that the Lord of the harvest will bring it about. As I was walking on the beach, and I just want to share it, I posted it, I'm not sure how many people read it or not. I wanted to share this with y'all. As I've been walking, or as I've been taking my walks on the beach over this past week, my attention has been drawn to all the fish that were coming in with each wave and then taken back out. I've taken plenty of walks on this beach during my lifetime, but I have never noticed so many fish coming in with the waves. On my walk yesterday morning, I noticed a couple of guys fishing, which I have noticed over the past couple of days. But this time I began to meditate upon the following verses. Matthew 4:19, Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Matthew 9, verse 37-38. It was as if I was being reminded that the Lord is bringing in the harvest, but where are the laborers? Life is tossing people in and out of circumstances like these waves, bringing in the fish and then watching them struggle as they are being pulled back into the depths of the sea. There were so many fish, but only a couple of guys fishing. 
We are living in a great day of unrest and turmoil. Deception is running amok and the level of darkness is ever increasing. The level of persecution and mockery towards Christians is on the rise. But there is great hope. Read Matthew chapter 24, which we just did. Even though times will continue to grow more intense for Christians on the earth, we are approaching His return. I take such great comfort in Matthew 24 verse 14, which declares, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world, so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. So Christians, grab your nets and your poles. It's time to go fishing. The Lord is bringing in the end time harvest for His kingdom, for His glory, and by His power. Are you fishing daily? If you're not, something is wrong. And that's not to, to make you feel bad about yourself. Because again, we, we got to know our identity. When we see areas in our lives that are not lining up with the truth of who we say we believe in and who we are to be in Him, then we just don't start beating ourselves up, make it all about us. No, we need to repent. We need to go, why am I there? Why am I thinking this way? Why am I not doing why am I not about his business? Something is wrong. I've been deceived. Oh God, awaken me. Open my eyes that I may see. Listen, if you're not fishing daily, especially in this generation, something is wrong with you. You've been lulled asleep. And I know what that feels like. <laughs> but there's an awakening taking place in me. And I pray for us. To understand the urgency of the hour. You just gaze outward and you go, oh wow. Oh wow. At any moment, like he can return. And are we prepared? Are our lamps filled with oil? Or are we going to be the virgins that are left behind? It's the most ridiculous thing to say we know him and yet don't belong to him I keep telling you over these past couple of months there are people who are going to be in an eternal hell with Jesus on their lips but he was never in their hearts we must stop talking about Issues, we must start speaking truth to them. We must stop going around and around and around the same mountain. By faith, we ought to start speaking to that mountain. Be removed. We cower down. And again, I've been just as guilty cowering down in fear. Wondering how on earth this is ever going to get better, or that's ever going to get better, or how this is going to work out, or how what's going to happen to these people, or you know, all of this and all of that, and we just cower down. I never forget the day when the Lord asked me, What are you doing cowering down? You're going to be like those generations of Israelites that died in the wilderness. 
because you weren't being strong and courageous. So you have to ask yourself today, are you just cowering down? Does the enemy have his foot on your neck? Because if that's your position, something is wrong. Especially if you're saying you're in Christ. Because in Christ, no, you have your foot on the enemy's neck. And you're declaring and you're speaking that which is true, that which is right. You're clinging to the one who is life. Life in abundance. Listen as we move on in chapter 24. He says in verse 15, The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. And I love this where it goes, Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. I pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened, look at this, for the sake of God's chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go look. Or look, he is hiding here, don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures show there is a carcass nearby, So these signs indicate that the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven in power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the east and heaven, of earth and heaven. Now we'll now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. And in the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. 
However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the day, day in Noah's days. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know what you're, I'm sorry, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when he least, when least expected. A faithful, sensible servant is to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating, I'm sorry, beating the other servants, partying, and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You're, all, you're, you're one or the other. The good servant or the wicked servant. There's no in-between. You're either preparing for his return or you're just going about your day. Living however you want. Being caught up in chaos. And how's he going to find us? There's no other way around it. It's like the devotion I read at the beginning. People want to make God into who they want God to be. And that's no God at all. And there's no God at all. He is God. He's already established who He is from the beginning. <laughs> and until the end. He's the same as He was then, today, and to come. <laughs> He's God. And He came to save mankind. No greater love than this. He calls us to repentance. From the beginning, his message has been, turn to me. Turn away from yourself. Stop going your way. Stop doing you. And come my way. Because my way is the way of life. Not the way of death. Not the way of destruction. But of life of life we're no longer to be bound by sin 
Sin is not to be our master any longer. Doesn't mean you will not sin. But if you do, repent. No one is saying you must live a perfect life. But you must live a God-fearing life. That you won't continue to abide in sin that is mastering you. No, remember the Bible says to throw off the sin that, that so easily entangles you. And that's why you must daily, I can't repeat it enough, you must daily make bold confessions and profess out of your mouth of who He is and what He's done for you. You must know the truth, you all, and the truth is will set us free. Free to live, you all. Free to recognize the times. To discern the times. To not to be caught up in the times, but to step out of them. Say, God, use me. Use me today. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe. Don't let anyone or anything strip you of that belief. Don't allow them to make you cower down any longer. You must stand up. You must get up. Not in your own strength, but you must rise in His. Be bold and courageous. For I am with you. Today when he questioned why am I cowering, he reminded me what he told Joshua. Be bold and courageous. For I am with you. Do we know that? Can you all testify to that? As you're getting up each day in a world that's getting darker and darker and darker and darker where the love of many is growing colder and colder and colder, where rebellion is at an all-time high, where perversion is at an all-time high, when the Christian faith is being persecuted and mocked all around the world, can you rise up with confidence that he is with you. So be bold and courageous. Be bold and courageous. I want you to go to Romans chapter 6 real quick. <clears throat> I know we read this last week, but I want to see it again. But we're only going to read verses 1 through 15. And I'm going to go through Steps, four steps to fighting sin. The first step is to understand your new identity in Christ. I cannot express the urgency of knowing your new identity. If you're walking in failure today, if you're walking in sin today, if you're not experiencing the fullness of Christ, the newness of Christ, sin is mastering you. 
And that's not where you belong. So what's the first step? Understanding your new identity in Christ. Romans 6, 1-15 through 15. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. <laughs> Since we have been united with Him in His death, we will also be raised to life as He was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with Him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and He will never die again. Death no longer has power over Him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Of course not. You all need to get into the scripture. We need to be rooted in this truth. You got to start looking yourself in the mirror. And you got to start telling yourself, self, no more. I'm not cowering down. Because my God is greater. He has already defeated sin and death. I will no longer be mastered by sin any longer. And when sin entangles you, don't stay down. Don't make it all about you. Make it all about Him and throw it off. Repent. Turn, turn to God, remain, abide in Jesus, you all. Step two, crucify the sinful desires of the heart. Go to James chapter 1, verse 15.
James chapter 1, verse 15. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So crucify the desires of the heart. And understand, and we've already said this around here all the time, we already know, what does the flesh know to do? Die. It's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the Word of God says here, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And that's what I'm telling you. You look at your life. Look in this mirror. Look in the Word of God. Are you in agreement with all of this? With this truth? Because you're not just to be hearers of the Word. You're to be doers of the Word. Remember, the kingdom of God is just not a lot of talk. No, it's living by God's power. It's living by His power to take thoughts captive and bring them into the obedience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm not thinking that way any longer. I'm not going that way any longer. That is not who I am because that's not who Christ is. You're to be a good soldier. Not getting entangled in the civilian affairs and the temporalness of this life. You are to persevere Number three, walk in the feeling and power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 16. Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say that the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Allow His power to work in and through you. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. And that's why I'm encouraging you all, take a look at your life. Start taking order of what's going on. In those areas that you know good and well that the Spirit of God is not in control over, give those areas to Him. Take your hands off situations that you are trying to control and to manipulate. Keep your mouth shut. Stop counseling people in the ways of this world and on giving them the truth of God's Word. You need to allow the Holy Spirit, look at this, to guide your life, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. It's all about Him, you all. And the last one, flee worldliness and pursue godliness through the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, 
I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. Listen to this. Which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will for your life. Allow Him to renew your mind. To set you free from the slave mentality of sin mastering you. To the mentality of being a slave to righteousness. To be in right standing with God, all because of Jesus Christ, not of anything of yourself. And so, True Freedom Fellowship. Small fellowship of people who, I think last week, was seven years, right? We've been meeting longer, but after coming back from taking a break, it's been seven years. And I want to see us truly be who God is calling. I don't want us to be cowards any longer. We're not to be people who are to remain enslaved. And so we are changing our order of our service. We will be starting at 9.30. Because the Lord got a hold of me after last week's service. I really enjoyed it. Prayer shouldn't be an option. Because we were having prayer at 9.30 and the service at 10.30. And the Holy Spirit says, that is not what I want. I want you all to come together, to grow together, to pray together, to study together, to encourage each other, to edify each other, to build each other up. When we come together, it's for Him. It's not for you, it's not for me, but it's for Him. We collectively have to come together in the times that we are together with the purpose of seeking Him. With the purpose of seeking Him. Because we recognize the hour in which we're living, you all. I mean, remember our vision. We're called to encourage, to edify, and equip the body of Christ in order to radically save souls to advance His kingdom. And I'm going to start holding not only myself, but you all accountable. Are you advancing His kingdom? Because if you're not advancing His kingdom, then you're working against the vision of this fellowship. Something's wrong. Just to keep going, just to go, and just keep doing to do, and then we're not doing and going. 
because we're cowering down. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. If this is your fellowship, if this is your home, if this is your family, then understand the vision. When we have no vision, we perish. Individually, as a family, as a ministry. So our vision, we're called to encourage, to edify, and equip the body of Christ. Because if we're doing our part to do that, not in our strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, then we will go forth and radically be used of God to save souls to advance His kingdom. That's who we are. We're true freedom fellowship. True meaning genuine. Not a put on. Not, oh, I'm this way when I'm here, but when I walk out the door, I live however else I want. <laughs> because then you're, li- then you're against the vision. You're against what God has collectively called us to. Because others, new people, when they step in, they'll see you and go, they're not genuine. It's a put on. Because I saw them out. And I see how they talk. I see how they act. I see what they think. You say, how do they see what I think? Because they see your actions. Because as you think, so you go. They see the bad attitudes, they see the lying, they see the manipulation, they hear the cursing, they see the craziness. And yet we say we come to church to be a people who are called to encourage, to edify, to equip the body of Christ in order to radically save souls to advance His kingdom. And we're living in darkened times, we're living in times where things are getting crazier. And so it is going to be radical. To go forth each and every single day. To not cower down any longer, but to stand up. And to boldly proclaim the gospel. The gospel. The gospel. Our core values. Love. Unity, transparency, accountability, and growth. We're stagnant. And why are we stagnant? Because individually we're stagnant. And that's not where we're off to, that's not where we're called to be. No moving. Stagnant stuff stinks. It's a horrible stench. It's not how we're to be living. We're to be in to love. Because He first loved us. To truly love each other. It just can't be a, a form of, oh, this is, oh yeah, I love you, oh, I love you, oh, I love you. No, love. Genuine love. Genuine love. And what does that love look like? Look at Christ. He gave His life for you. Are you giving your life 
for others. And not in weird codependent relationships. That's not love. (laughs) But true love to give yourself so others will be free. And not just think of yourself and do for me and do for me and serve me and serve me and serve me and oh, they don't serve me or they didn't do this for me so they don't love me. And then you start talking about people. That's not love. And to expect and to expect and to expect and to expect, that's not love. Love is first getting what Christ has for you. His love. And you understand the price that has been paid for you. That you come to serve. That you're humbled. That you think of others before you think of yourself. That's the true expression of love. That you think of others before you think of yourself. That's the true essence of love. That's what Christ displayed. And from that, unity comes. Unity of oneness. And as you've been reading through the book of Acts, and as I was encouraging you a few weeks ago in the book of Acts, unity is vital because where there is unity, God adds to the numbers of those who are being saved. And that's what I've been asking you all to pray for. That God would add to our numbers, just not to fill the place or not just to say, oh, look what we've done. No. (laughs) But that they're being saved. Not just hearing the word and just showing up and like, oh, no. But true salvation. A true rebirth. Born again people who have a desire to live for God. Not just to show up here and show up there and show up over here sometimes and show up over there sometimes, but no, a true desire to live for God. Not just while we're here on Sundays or Wednesdays or Fridays, but a true desire to live for God. To love one another, to be unified, and from that to be transparent. Transparent. Not hiding anything, but being vulnerable. To be expressive with where you're at. And again, not looking to be coddled. Not looking for some weird codependence or someone just to pat you on your back and say, oh, oh, yeah, I understand. Oh, oh, oh. No, because when you come forth to be transparent, you need to be held accountable. There's accountability to to allow others to uphold truth to you, to pray for you, to encourage you, to edify you, to build you up so that you can go forth and radically save souls to advance his kingdom. And the final one is growth. Because you will never mature if you're never loving, if you're never in unity, and if you're not living a life of transparency and there's no accountability in your life. You will never grow. Oh, there's growth going among us. But it shouldn't just be for one or two or just a few. It should be for everyone. Because everyone has the same opportunity that everyone else has. It's what you put in that you get out in life. 
And that is my hope. That as we're coming together, that there would be an awakening to take place in us. That in these hours that we're together on Sunday, that we come not with a complacent attitude, not with a, a divided heart, but do we come collectively to seek God in our times of worship, in our time of prayer, and in our time of fellowship in His Word. That we would come to be filled. And during our fellowship time of having a meal together, it's not a time to get loose. It's a time to still abide in Christ because that's just how you live. It's just who you are. We just don't turn it on and turn it off. It's who we are. And we're all collectively partaking and giving and serving. This is the way it's going. And I'm believing that God will raise us up in this generation to be able to truly stand. And to truly to be encouraged. And it may not be for everyone, and that's fine if it's not for everyone. That's fine. I mean, I love you all. But I'm truly asking God for a family of believers to serve with, to accomplish His purpose. The other night when Norma and I was out walking the streets and praying, oh, that was fueling me. I was like, oh, God, yes. And like I said on that Wednesday night to you all, I shouldn't have to find genuine fellowship outside of this fellowship. The people I'm interacting with and and encouraging and brothers and sisters in Christ that I'm praying with and I'm hearing what God is doing in their life and they're pouring into me and I'm pouring into them and it's a genuine fellowship. I say, God, why is it out there and not in here? That's the most craziest thing. That's the most craziest thing. Because it should be found here. But all the murmuring and the complaining and the fault finding and this and that and everyone's lives here and there, everywhere else, and running amok. And it's like I told you, throughout the years, it's like preaching to the walls. And that ought not to be. So I'm looking and I've been praying, Holy Spirit, cultivate plow up the ground that's been so hardened. (laughs) Bring forth life. Bring forth an abundance of souls, of people who are being saved, of genuine fellowship, of truth. Because the days are among us that the signs of the time are evident. His return is drawing near. And it's my hope and my desire that we will be about our Father's business. This is where we're heading. This is where we're going. And I'm trusting and believing that God is going to do something great among us. 
So I want to close with a song of worship. And then right in from that song, we're going to go into a time of prayer. And every Sunday will be different. This Sunday I started off with a word. Last Sunday we started in prayer. Oh, we started in worship this Sunday. And we're just going to go as the Lord leads. But that's what you'll find here on Sundays, collectively together. Worship, prayer, and the Word. And we're going to get back into walking through the Bible. I'm going to send out the Scriptures ahead of time. And I want you all to set time aside to read through these Scriptures. Because when I call upon you on Sundays, I sure hope you don't have a blank stare and go, Oh, I didn't read anything. I didn't get anything this week. And I'm not doing that to be mean or or doing that to, to, to put you down. No. But why wouldn't you have taken time? If you can't get here Wednesdays and you can't get here Fridays, for sure there are times where you can sit and read the Word of God and prepare your heart for what we're going to get into on Sunday so that when you are called upon and say, Gilda, what did you get from your reading? of this week's scripture, you'll be able to share. You'll be able to edify. You'll be able to build up others. And you say, but I won't be prepared. Yes, you will. Because you would have been studying with a book that you can write in and the Bible. Prepare your hearts. Live out what you're learning. Don't just be a hearer of the word. And be prayerful. Remember, we are lacking in our identity. When we lack in identity, we're mastered by sin. And I don't know about you, but I refuse to take another breath mastered by anything or anyone. The only one who will master me is Jesus. Because he saved me. He's delivered me multiple times. And He's faithful in every season that I've found myself in. He's faithful to you right where you're at today. Even even if you feel so far away, even if you feel the least of the least, He is faithful to say, I am with you, I am for you, and not against you. Because He's God, you are. And let's get out in our city and start making a difference. But we can't go make a difference if it's first not being different in here, in your own life. And then from your own life in your own home. And from your own home to out there. And then that's just not to stay focused on the city, but to our nation. And from our nation to the nations. Let's believe you all. Let's have a greater vision. Let's pray through the vision of True Freedom Fellowship. Let's understand our purpose to see His kingdom advance. Because it's all for His kingdom and for His glory by His power. So let's worship together. And then we're going to go into a time of prayer for a while. And the focus of today's prayer time is repentance. Nothing else. You want to pray for anything else? Pray for that later. 
But we're going to have specific times of prayer when we're together. And today's time is repentance. And if you need to, if you can pray out loud, if you need, if you want to just confess in front of us and in front of God, first and foremost, and repent, or you can pray to yourself, to the Holy Spirit, to God, confess and repent, and just don't like be here just part of the time. No, truly get in to this time together. Let's seek Him knowing that He will be found. And let's be genuine in our repentance as the Holy Spirit is bringing to light the things in our lives. The areas of our life where sin is mastering us. The lack of diligence in growing as a fellowship. We need to repent. We need to repent for doing our part to hindering God among us. We need to repent to turn from our wickedness and to turn to God. And then towards the end of this, I will close this in prayer. After this worship song, I turn off the recording. Our prayer times won't be recorded. But our prayer times, we need to be transparent and vulnerable and allow the Holy Spirit to move among us. Amen? I'll close this with a song of worship. Precious blood has left me forgiven Pure like the whitest of snow Powerful to make sin and shame retreat This covenant is making me whole So I will 
Oh, oh, oh.